Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Our series is called Body, Mind, and Spirit. And the idea behind this is that all three of these things are connected. They're connected. You can't have a healthy mind uh, without it bleeding into your body or your spirit. Or you can't have an unhealthy mind without it bleeding into your body or your spirit. These things are all connected. You've heard the phrase psychosomatic, which is when your mind uh, is telling your body it's sick, but there's no physical symptoms. Psycho means mind, and soma means body. And we can see that these things are so connected and your mind is so powerful that your body can begin to act as if it's sick just because your mind is saying it. These things are connected and and, and God has designed for them to be connected. But my prayer is that all three will be healthy, that they'll be integrated, they'll be aligned, not broken, not fractured, but aligned and aligned with the spirit of God. And I believe that, uh, that health is God's portion for you. And so we're going to uh, work our way towards that over the next few weeks that you and I might be wholly integrated people. Sound good? You ready for the word of God? Come on, let's pray. God, we ask you to come right now and speak to us, your people. God, we want to hear your word. We want to sense your presence and we're open to you. We are open to you in Jesus mighty name. Come on, all God's people said, Amen. 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 Body, mind, and spirit. Today, I'm going to focus in on the body. And we're going to take a look at that area of who we are and what God has to say about it. The big idea today is simply this, that the designer is the one that defines the best practices for the best results. It is the designer that sets the parameters that if you stay within these boundaries, it will be better. You stay within these boundaries, there will be blessing. The designer sets the rules of the game. The designer gives out the instruction manual, the best practices for the best results. And I'm here to tell you today that God is a designer. God is a creative creator. And he's not just a designer of the world. He's not just a designer of the universe. He is your specific designer. He designed your body, your mind, and your spirit. Therefore, he knows how it works best. He knows how they should correlate and integrate. And God has some best practices, some principles, some methods for you to have a uh, a healthy life. God is a designer. Let's begin in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. We're going right back to the origins, the gene of our creation. The Bible says this, then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. The creator made a creation. Man became a living creature. Notice this word. What did God do? He formed. He he was intentional. He was hands-on. I mean, notice this. Everything else he spoke, but with man and woman, he touched. He formed. The picture is like of a potter with clay. 
that he is taking his time, that he is being intentional, that he is working on the creation of mankind. He formed the body, then breathed his spirit into our spirit. God is the source. And there's this famous design principle in architecture that we see at play in our lives. And and the, the principle is this, that form follows function. Form follows function. In other words, if you're going to design a building for a certain purpose, it has to accomplish that purpose. You, you, if you're going to build a stadium, it has, to, it has to be wide. It has to have room for people or an office building. The form has to follow the function. And I want you to know, God has formed you for a function. You are not purposeless. You are not random. You are not a collection of urges. You are not an accident of the universe. You are not some strange set of circumstances over millions of years that should not have ever happened and yet have happened, but statistically could never happen and yet still happened that somehow the universe thought, let's burp this guy up. You're more than that. You're designed by a divine designer, touched by the hand of God, that he who knows all chose to work on humanity. And I believe that you have a function. You have a purpose. You have a, a, a meaning here on planet Earth. There's, there's a great quote. It escapes me who said it, but, but it's, it goes something like this, that, the two, most, uh, that the, the two most important moments in a human's life is when they're born and when they find out why. You, 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 have, you have a meaning. You are not accidentally here in a purposeless existence. No, it starts with God. It didn't start with you. It didn't start with society. It started with the hand of God forming you, even in your mother's womb, the Bible says, he knit you together. And you have a function. And I believe that the foremost function of man and woman is to reflect God. The foremost function is for you to represent God, to show God, you are to be the mirror through which God's image shines through. And know this, that you do have the image of God on you. Bible says that God made men and women in his image. It's like a picture of a stamp that he stamped his, his, his essence on you. Like you can look at a child and see the father or see the mother in this child. That They're totally their own and yet there's an image You're able to see a representation of the father, of the mother in this child. So you reflect the glory of God, the majesty of God, the making of God. By the way, this is why God says, I do not want you to make any other graven image. I don't want you to make any other idols. I don't want you to make anything else. Why? Because God said, I already made my image. It's you. He's saying, don't you dare make something out of wood or hay or rock and worship an inanimate, breathless object. He said, I I made an animate, an object I breathed into to reflect me. You're the image of God. This is where your value comes from. This is where your purpose and your meaning comes from. And the function is to be like Jesus, to know him to act like him, to speak like him. And and, and the more, the closer we get to Jesus, the more we fulfill our function of becoming like Jesus. This is why we are here. But the problem is that the enemy 
is obsessed uh, with God's creation. The goal of the enemy is to corrupt God's creation. This is his plan. This is his goal. This is his obsession, is to corrupt the creation of God. Why? Because he hates the creator. We know that the backstory of Lucifer, that he said, I will ascend above God. But instead of ascending, he was cast down. Now there is enmity between Satan, the snake, Lucifer, the angel of light. There's enmity between Satan and between God. And you and I are caught in the middle. This is the battleground. God says they are mine, but the enemy says, because they are yours, I'm going to corrupt them. I'm going to break them. I'm going to fracture them. I'm going to ruin them. But God's hand, please hear me, is greater than the enemy's plan. Amen? God's hand is greater than the enemy's plan. But what you have to be very aware of is the tactics and the tools of the enemy. The enemy wants to entice us into sin because sin corrupts. Sin breaks down. Sin degrades. Sin corrodes your body, your mind, and your spirit. It corrodes it through a slow process. Much like steel. Steel is a strong substance. It, it, it's, it's strong enough to build skyscrapers with. Strong enough to build bridges and carry heavy weights and heavy loads. Steel is a strong element that can bear up great weight. But even steel, in all of its strength, if it comes into contact with elements, elements like water, elements like salt, oxygen, over time, those elements begin a corrosive process with steel. And once what was once strong, if left unchecked or unrefined or unworked on, what was once strong becomes brittle, rusted, weak, what was strong enough to hold the weight of a building, if it's left to corrosion, you can break it off with your hand. That's how weak it can become. Hear me. So your body and your mind and your spirit. If it comes into contact with sin and the elements of sin, it begins to corrode you from the inside out. When you come into contact with greed, it begins to corrupt your soul. When you come into contact with hatred, unforgiveness, violence, it begins to corrode your body and your spirit. When you come into contact with lust, it begins to corrupt your mind and your spirit. These things begin to corrode you. And what was once strong, designed to hold weight, to be forthright in the world, can become weak and fractured if the sin is not addressed, if it's not refined, if it's not brought to the designer to be reformed. But here's the good news. God designed you to be strong, not weak. He designed you to, to have structural integrity, not to be fractured and undone. That God knows how your body and your mind and your spirit works. And thank God he has left a design manual. He has left some instructions. He's left some principles and some practices that will lead to the best results. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, God has things to say about our body, about our mindsets, and about our spirits and our souls. And, and God has things to say that no one else has to say because of all that they've discovered, they did not originate. Again, I believe uh, psychology is good and, and medicine is good, but that's discovering this is the origination. 
He is the origin. Therefore, he is the authority. Can you say amen? So over the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at God's word about these areas of our life. Today, I want to take a look at the body. The body is designed by God. It's designed by the Almighty. Look what it says in Psalm 139. It says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Every preacher joke says, some are more fearfully, some are more wonderfully. Ah, But I can't help it. (laughs) If you read that verse and you're a preacher, you got to make that joke. You know what's interesting about this? Is that, that what this is saying is that there's intricacy, there's thought put into your creation. Great design is always in the details. Great design is in the subtle things. The, the crown molding of the room, the personal touch, the, 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 the way that the light reflects off really beautiful paint. It's, it's in the details with a job well done. I want you to know this. Please hear me. You are meticulously made. You are meticulously designed. I had this realization on a recent trip to BJ's Wholesale Club. I went there for an eye exam, actually, believe it or not. Because if you want to get an eye exam and a giant pallet of ketchup, there's only one place. I, 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 I wear contacts. I've worn them since I was a kid, and, and I needed to get my new contact lens prescription. And, and uh, of course, you know, I wear monthly contacts, so I've worn them for about a year and a half at this point. And uh, I always get judgment from the doctor, you know, hardcore judgment, but there's no judgment here in the house of God. <laughs> so I'm at BJ's, and, and I, 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 I set up an appointment, and the guy says, we just got to tell you, there's no doctor here on the premises. So I thought, oh, I guess... Well, that's the end of that transaction. He goes, no, no, we can give you the eye exam, but we don't have an eye doctor here. And I thought, eh, I know where I'm at, you know. I expected this. Let's go with the eye exam. Let's see how it goes. We went in this room, and the room is filled with machines. And I don't know if you've ever gone through these tests, but they say, you know, something like, look in this giant bright light for 20 minutes, and don't you dare blink. It's like, okay. You know, they blow air in your eye, all this stuff. But... But every test I took, something interesting began to happen. The TV behind me made a noise at the end of every test. It went, bing, upload complete. Optical scan uploaded. And I thought, am I in the future? Am I in the metaverse right now? What? <laughs> What's happening? Bing. <laughs> Eye test complete. Uploaded. It's like, where was Who's this going to? Is China going to clone me right now? Like, what was happening? <clears throat> at, the end of, at the end of it, they put me in that chair, and, you know, they put the, the eye thing in front of you if you've ever gone through this, and, and the, the, the eye doctor appeared on the screen, I assume from some bunk, bunker somewhere. I don't know. And, and she's controlling the optical machine. She goes, okay, do you want one or two? One, two. Or two. Have you ever, you ever been in this situation? It's the most stress I've ever been in my life. I've preached in front of thousands of people. It's nothing compared to one or two. And it's like I just start being overwhelmed. It's like, just tell me. You tell me. What's the right answer? <laughs> I still think I chose the wrong one, but 
went through this whole process, and then she goes, okay, I'm, I'm ready to give you your prescription, but I want to show you uh, the scan. We took a retinal image of your eye, and, and here it is on the screen. So she puts up this retinal image. This isn't my eye, but it is an eye, and, and this is what I saw on the screen, and it was astonishing. I was floored that we have this technology to take a photo of the back of the human eye. You know what it struck me is how much it looked like the sun. It was amazing to me that the processor looked so much like the source. Like the the fingerprints of God were on both from macro to micro. And and to see see the blood vessels and to see how the light goes in. And and that you're able to not just see the images, but that information is translated through the optic nerve into your mind where it is processed so you can understand the color and the depth and the height and and you're able to make informed decisions, all of this by the complexity of the human eye. And think of it, for thousands and thousands of years, humanity has existed with this working but never being able to see the thing by which they're seeing. It's incredible God's level of intricacy in his design. But this is what I realized, is that something this intricate was made with intention. Something this intricate was designed with love. I want you to know, God did not slap you together. God designed you meticulously. God not only sees you, he gives you the ability to see and one day see him. God not only hears you, he gives you the ability to speak and speak to him. This is a God that lovingly formed you, puts his hand on you. And I want you to know this. The word doesn't say that you were made perfectly, but it does say you were made wonderfully. I say this Because I know there's many things that maybe we want to change about ourselves. That if we were in charge, we would fix. Change your height or change your width or change your nose. I don't know. (laughs) Might be different images that you could become obsessed with. Different aspects of, of who you are and what you look like. That If you're not careful, you can become consumed with the things you want to change. Instead of thankful for the design. And the opportunity to embody this body. I, I, would, I would challenge you to maybe even just shift your perfect, uh, perspective from focusing on the imperfections to allowing them to be what makes you unique, what makes you you, what makes you different. I say this because if you're not careful, especially with the society that is consumed with self, if you get, if you get caught up in all the things you want to change, hear me, that's a downward spiral that can lead into a black hole of self-centeredness that you can never climb out of. And and, and God did not design you for you to always be frustrated with you. He designed you, and you know what the Bible says? He looked at what he designed, and he says, it's good. It's good. You might not be perfect, but you are good. And God has declared that over your life. And this is where you get your value from. So my challenge to you today was with your body that you would trust the designer with what he did and then take responsibility with what he's given you. I want you to know your body, your body, 
Your body is valuable. Your body is not a throwaway thing. Your body should not be something that you uh, use and abuse and move on saying, whatever, I'm going to get a new one in heaven. No, this, this is a valuable instrument that God has given you for you to succeed, to use to succeed in life. I want to show you this verse in, in, the, book, in the book of uh, uh, 1 Corinthians. It says this, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. You were bought with a price. You are valued, and the value is inferred by the one that designed you. The value is inferred by the creator. I was, I was, I'll explain it this way. I was recently at a, uh, an estate sale. Don't know how I got there, but I was there. Everything was gone. But I noticed this Thomas Kincaid painting. You know those 90s paintings that most people had in their houses back then in the, in the 90s. And so, so I bought this thing. I brought it home, and I said, I'm going to flip this thing. I'm going to make some money. Now, I've never done that before in my life. I have no skills in this area, but I've got confidence. <laughs> so I look it up, and I see, man, this painting's worth $6,000. I tell Samantha, honey, we're rich. Let's go. Buy some Bitcoin. <laughs> but then I did some further research. And I realized that I have some paint on my painting, but it's just canvas. It was printed with a special method, but it was not designed by the hand of the artist. And so my painting is worth probably less than I bought it even for. <laughs> I realized this, that the value is inferred by the hand of the artist. The value is inferred with the signature of the artist. You were designed by the very hand of God. He breathed his breath on you, and he has put his mark on you. This is where your value comes from. Not from society, not from what you've accomplished, your works, not from your accolades, not from your parents, not from a teacher saying whether you succeed or not. Your value comes from your originator, a brilliant artist, the greatest one to ever exist or will ever exist, took time to paint you as a canvas and a masterpiece. So treat your body like it's valuable. If you had a great piece of art, you wouldn't bring it out in the rain and bump it up against everything and throw it in the back seat. Your body is a value, valuable canvas that God has put his hand on. Treat yourself like you are valuable. So how, how can you do that? Simple phrase that I hope you remember, steward thyself. Steward thyself. Be responsible for yourself. Lead yourself. Steward thyself. Well, how, how can we do that? I, be, I believe it begins with some very simple things. It begins with your habits and your spiritual disciplines. Let's talk about some healthy habits to help you steward the valuable body that God has given you. Habits are the small decisions or the actions that you perform every day. They usually end up making about making up about 40% of your actions every day are the things you do habitually without thinking. Some healthy habits that I'm hoping to see integrated in our lives and in this church as we move towards um, the function and the form that God has made us is, starts, starts with this. Very simple. A healthy habit you should have is exercise. You didn't think we were going to get this practical today. <laughs> Buckle up, my friends. 
exercise. I want you to know you were designed for effort. And you need an outlet for there to be a challenge in your life. You were designed to push against problems. And and part of the problem I'm trying to address today is that we live in a sedentary society. And we have to um, maybe do things a little bit differently than everyone around us. But you were not designed to sit down for 12 hours a day every day. This only happened very recently in human history, but before this, you had to move in order to catch your food and eat. You had to get moving in order to survive. But now we don't have to do that, but just because we don't have to doesn't mean that we shouldn't. You should find something. You've got to find a healthy habit of exercise to integrate into your life and and make it something that you like doing. You know, if you don't like deadlifting, you don't have to do that. But you could go for a walk or a run or a swim or you could ride a bike. But there's something that you got to do and you should do it consistently. Me and my friends, we play soccer and there's that element of competition. My dad rides BMX bikes. There's so many different things that you could do. But you got to do something because you were designed to put in effort and get that sense of accomplishment. So many times you say, well, I don't feel good. Well, what did you do to change that feeling? What did you do to overcome that feeling? When you exercise, you release endorphins. And those endorphins help regulate your mind and your mood. Are you with me? This is like, like, a, like basic health class. Your mind and your mood. These are the areas where most of society has problems right now. In their mind and their mood. One of the habits that will help get you on the right path is saying every week... Every few days, I'm going to do something that challenges myself and releases endorphins, a sense of accomplishment, and now the momentum begins to move you in a direction away from depression, away from bitterness, away from um, uh, self-hatred, and you begin to move in a direction of accomplishment. Another habit that you need to stack on top of this habit is a healthy diet. You have to moderate. What am I eating? When am I eating? How much am I eating? How often am I eating? Right now, we have so many foods that are so processed, even when we do eat, we're not getting many of the vitamins and the minerals that we need for our body to work properly. And so you might need to watch closely what you eat and add some healthy items into your food. I'm talking vitamins, my friends. I don't care if they're Flintstone vitamins, but you gotta do something. (laughs) Do you know that they've done the data and most, like 90% of people are deficient in vitamin D. That's a huge one, vitamin D3. You gotta get that in your body because these things help your body on a fundamental level work like it's chemically designed to work. It's designed a certain way. You gotta put a little research and a little effort in to Bringing your body into the alignment with the one that designed it to work a certain way. And if you don't think this is scriptural, read the Old Testament. There's tons about what you should eat. Tons about cleanliness. There's tons about the activities you should do and you shouldn't do. Because God wants to keep our bodies from corruption and he wants to bring it into alignment with him. You hear me? Now, look, I I understand. I, I shouldn't have to be the one talking about this on Sunday morning. I would love to preach just about spiritual truths. But I got to say, in the last two years, I have not heard one health official talk about how to be healthy. 
All I've heard from them is stay home, be afraid, shut the door, and turn on the TV. And that's not healthy. That's actually unhealthy, believe it or not. And so I applaud you for getting up and coming out. And I hope you continue with these healthy habits. Because we live in a prescription society right now. And I am not against medicine. I'm thankful for it. But you cannot always prescribe a problem away. Especially when it's mental or emotional. You cannot always prescribe a problem away. You're going to have to... You're going to have to do more than just pause the problem every day. You've got to solve the underlying issues. And that takes a lot of effort sometimes. But they are solvable. I know we're dealing with anxiety on a, on a global scale right now. But I want you to know, anxiety is not something that you have to be filled with for your whole life. This is a solvable issue. Now, you might have to put in effort and get to the altar and resource yourself, but it is a solvable issue. Do you know how I know it's solvable? Because Jesus said, do not be filled with anxiety in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus would not say, don't be anxious, if it was impossible. He gives a command, which means there's a path to fulfill that command. I can't tell you how many young men I've talked to that, that say to me, you know, I'm filled with anxiety so I smoke pot every single night. It's the only thing that helps me deal with my anxiety. The reality is if you look up the side effects of pot, it's paranoia and many times anxiety. But you know what? I believe that God has something better for you than staying in a constant haze for the entirety of your life, self-medicating yourself out of reality. God can help you solve the underlying issue. We don't want to just manage our problems. We want to receive healing and health in our problems. And you might not find that in constant pills and injections. So we've got to go in another direction. We have got to begin to stack healthy habits on top of each other. We've got to come to God. We've got to ask ourselves, can I get healed of this thing? How do I get healed of it? How do we address these underlying conditions? Can I put my exercise together with my diet and make these changes? Do you know why we don't want to do it? Because it's difficult. But really, sometimes the most difficult things are the most worthy things. One last habit that I hope that we all begin to engage in that will help change our life is healthy sleep patterns. Healthy sleep patterns. Your sleep matters. The amount matters. And the quality matters. You should be able to enter into a deep sleep for a certain amount of time. Now, if you recently had a newborn, disregard this part of the sermon. <laughs> I know I will. <laughs> but for everyone else, it's in sleep where you recover. Physically. Physically you recover. But do you know also mentally you recover when you sleep, that your mind sorts itself out while you sleep. In fact, you know, that's where the phrase sleep on it comes from because uh, many times you will, your mind will be solving problems at a deep level as you sleep. And you'll wake up with another perspective, another view, and sometimes even the solution. And we as Christians know not only does this happen physically, but spiritual things happen when we sleep as well. 
We receive many times dreams from God and, and we re receive the presence of God. These things God comes and he does while we're open to him. Your sleep really matters. But part of the problem is, one of the effects of the Industrial Revolution, is that we have artificial light and we've got TVs and, and noise and blue light. In other words, you could stay up all day and all night for as long as you possibly could stand it. But just because you could doesn't mean you should. I mean, they've done so many studies that they show that, that those that go without sleep literally can go insane. Because your body is connected to your mind. And if you do not get sleep, your mind cannot sort itself out. And it begins to not be able to differentiate between reality and and your, your thoughts and, and your emotions and, and all of that. But when you begin to sleep, it helps begin to bring you back into alignment. And I think one of the primary problems um, with especially this generation is self-inflicted self, uh, self sleep deprivation. And they're like, man, I just I streamed all day, streamed 40 hours, and I was drinking Red Bulls the whole time. And it's like, yeah, that's why, uh, that's why you're out of control. You know what I mean? Like, why? I just, I can't, I, why am I so emotional? Well, the same reason four-year-olds are emotional. You need a nap. <laughs> right? <laughs> and some applesauce, most likely. <laughs> this is my sermon today. Don't go take a nap. Jesus, Jesus had patterns to his sleep. And one of the things he did was he got up early in the morning. The Bible says in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, that before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out alone and he began to pray. This is healthy patterns that Jesus modeled for us. Start the day with the presence of God and start the day nice and early. This will begin to give you a sense of accomplishment and victory before the day even begins. And I please hear me, and I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I think many times we can justify why we can't sleep, but we justify it without trying any changes. You say, oh, I can't sleep. Well, go, go buy some wood and an axe and do three hours of chopping wood, then let's talk. Um, you're an insomniac. No, no. <laughs> I won't say anything else. <laughs> no, no, it's just sometimes you, you won't put in the effort to, towards health. And God has designed you a certain way. So as much as you can, come into alignment with that. Amen? Can you handle any more? I know this is a lot. But these are some healthy habits. The opposite of this is destructive habits. Destructive habits leads to self-destruction, self-sabotage. And you can justify destructive habits, habits like alcoholism, substance addiction, workaholism, procrastination, excuse-making. But can I tell you, that is not God's goal for your design. God's goal for you is freedom. Galatians chapter 5 says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. God's goal is that you'd be free in your body, free in your mind, and free in your spirit. Can you say amen? Here at Awakening, we want to help you take those next steps. We have Freedom Cruise that launch in February. I'd hope you join one of those. Freedom Course that will launch in February as well. And if you can't wait till then on Awakening You, we have a Freedom Course that you can start online uh, today.
I believe that there's going to be breakthrough through these 21 days of prayer and fasting. There's something about fasting that just brings freedom. I want to give you one more set of, uh, of disciplines that will bring you towards health in your body. And these are spiritual disciplines. We talked about healthy habits, but I want to talk about spiritual disciplines. And if you want to hear more, you can go find our All In series. I preached two years ago, and there's a lot about disciplines in that. But let me just give you a quick overview. Three spiritual disciplines I believe every Christian should have. The first is prayer. The first is prayer. The prayer, prayer connects your spirit to God's presence. The second spiritual discipline that you need to have is reading the word of God. This connects your mind to God's presence. I can't wait next week to talk about your mind set. The reality is this. These things will not happen by feeling. You will never feel like praying. You'll never feel like reading the word. You need to set these things in your schedule. And please hear me. They don't need to be overwhelming. Just like exercise. I I don't need you to go run an ultra marathon. And I don't need you to pray all day and night like you're Elijah, the prophet. But a little bit of prayer goes a very long way. A little bit of exercise goes a very long way. Set it in your schedule. Every day in this place, I pray for this amount of time. On my drive in, I don't listen to anything. I pray. On my drive out, I pray. Whatever it is, you need to set some time aside for prayer and the word of God. Of all the things you're going to read and hear and ingest, the word of God is the one thing that will help transform your mind. Can you say amen? And the final discipline is the one we're about to practice, which is fasting. 21 days of prayer and fasting, we prioritize the presence of God. And what happens when you fast is you tell yourself, you tell your body that it's not in charge. You tell your urges they're not in charge. You tell your emotion, your flesh, you're not in charge. There's something greater. My mind and my spirit are greater than my body and my urges. Fasting brings you in alignment with God sets you right again. It sets the priorities again. And what we do when we fast is we say to ourselves no, and we say to God's presence, yes. That's where our focus begins to go. And I believe radical things can begin to happen as you fast through the Daniel fast. And, and I want to add one more thing. I'm going to close here in a moment. I, I would encourage you to add media to the fast as well. Maybe one of the weeks, maybe week two. Turn off the TV and get off social media. You know, I think Daniel fast is hard, but for this generation, I think media fast is probably harder. But I think it will bring even more benefits. And I think if we have everyone else talking to us, sometimes we can't hear the voice of God. But maybe you fast some things that hurt, and you say to God, this hurts, but I value more. I want your presence. There are two different books I want to suggest to you on these uh, areas. For the area of discipline, this book, Celebration of Discipline, by Richard Foster is an incredible book. You know, I, uh, I, I read it a couple years ago, and I'm revisiting it this year. Uh, pastor Marco, when, when he was our youth pastor, he would start off every year by reading this book. It's filled with incredible uh, disciplines. This is a Christian classic. I think we might have some at the Connect Corner and grab it on, online. But I'd encourage you, if you want to grow in the area of spiritual disciplines, that's the book. And the other book for the area of healthy habits is Atomic Habits. You might have heard about this book. It's everywhere, you know, like... It finally got me. Everyone was telling me about it. I was like, I'm not reading the book just because everyone's reading the book. Are you like that sometimes? And then I was at Target, and I was like, all right. It changed my life. It's really, really amazing. So I'd encourage you to grab these books. Invest in yourself. Many times, we don't know where to start. But I would encourage you to start simply. 
I wanna give you three really simple steps. It's gonna take one minute. Three simple steps on how to start. The first uh, thing is that first and foremost, you need to just decide. And you need to decide truthfully. You know what? This is an area where my habits have been bad. Maybe you're able to hide it from everyone else, but you and Jesus know the truth. Decide. I'm going to bring it out into the open. I'm going to be truthful about this thing. I'm going to bring it to other people that can see my weakness and help me work on it. It all starts with truth, but you need to decide. This is the discipline. This is the habit that I want to change or I want to integrate. Set it in your mind. Put it in a place of importance. Then you need to add to that decision resources. You need to get a good book. You need to get a good group. Maybe a small group if you need to find freedom. Maybe you get some good podcasts or some good books, but you're not going to be able to just feel or trip your way into bettering yourself. You need to resource yourself. Find some people that are further down the road than you are and let them speak into your life. You need to resource yourself. And for fasting, can I just give you a tip? This will make things easier. Sometimes resources is adding, and sometimes it's getting some other things out of your life. When you fast, it's a lot easier when all the junk is out and the fruit is in. You know what I'm saying? That's true in your life as well. You'll do foolish things if they're easily available. But if you set some boundaries and make it difficult, you give your willpower and you give the Holy Spirit a chance to keep you on the right path. The last area that you need to enter into if you want to start is you need to be able to measure your progress. You need to be able to track it consistently. I mean, this isn't, this isn't that difficult, but you do need something. I use something called the self-journal. It's really pretty amazing. But whatever you use, maybe it's a, a moleskin notebook or whatever, you need to write out some things. This is what I want to do this week. This is what I want to do this year. And then write Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and just track. I read this week. I exercised this week. Track. You know why? If it can be measured, it can be managed. But if it's always theoretical, you'll never be able to gain some momentum. Write it down. Be honest with yourself. None of this is to judge you. None of this is to condemn you. All of this is to help you get some progress in your life and move in the next direction. You might not change in one week, but in one year, things can look radically different if you commit to some simple changes. Amen? God is your designer. He has the best practices, and we're going to follow him. Romans 12, verse 1 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.